podcast that discusses storytelling from all angles to help you and us answer the call when the muse screams, tell the damn story. We'll be exploring the challenges of being creative in fiction, illustration, comics, film, and nonfiction. Okay, Chris, we are oh, here. No. Where you at? Yeah, I'm right here. Yeah. I'm right here. I'm right cool. here. All right, that's cool. How are you Froze doing for a bro? second? But <laughs> all right, Alex Simmons, we are at it again. Yes, Chris, uh, Christopher epi- Ryan. Yes, episode two two three, baby. That's right, two twenty three. If I had realized last episode was two two two, we would have done a couple of riffs on that old sitcom. Oh, room two, <laughs> two, two. We would climbed into the <laughs> Alex Simmons time machine and gone to room two twenty two. Oh, wow. And and it's funny because I think possibly the only name that the audience may remember from that time period or maybe have caught somewhere along the lines would be Karen Valentine. Yeah, that's that's some of our some of our elder statesmen in the audience. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) might have might have heard that. Yeah. One of my family members recently asked, well, you know. How big is your audience? Said, well, you know, some people come in and visit, and some people. I said, but our core audience, man, we have loyal followers in the tens, <laughs> <laughs> multiples of tens. I told them. <laughs> well, you, you you know what I find I kind of find interesting is that um, I'll go because every now and then, as I'm uploading some of the episodes or I'm adjusting something, I'll go look. At our back episodes and right right there's like a hundred and something here 200 something there you know so what happens is people find these episodes and right. they, they watch yeah. or listen to these episodes um we don't have millions right now we're not kevin you know and the boys uh but i and and even um a couple of uh, uh writers who i just spoke to recently we're saying, I really love what you guys are doing because we, we're, by the way, folks, just in case you were wondering, because we haven't had guests on for a while, we've been doing some other things here. Uh, we have just lined up at this point four, yeah, four new guests who will be recording interviews with over the next uh, few weeks. And so right. they'll be coming at you. And some of them have even said, We love what you guys are doing, or I've checked out your episodes, or I checked out this particular episode. So, you know what? I'm, I'm fine. We're putting out. You know stuff that we hope will help. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, you know, that's, I just that's put out a, yeah, I put out a blog today about you know every Saturday I'm going to do some self promotion. Um, uh, quick advice to all you emerging authors: make peace with that. Every once in a while, you have to self promote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a, not all the time. That's overdoing it. But every once in a while. So I chose self promotion Saturday. Easier for me to remember. Uh, and the first thing I did was uh, tell the damn story. So it's a uh, blog on WordPress, but then it's on Facebook. It's on Instagram also in the notes and that kind of thing. And um, one of the things I mentioned is that one of the great things about tell the damn story is that it's not chronological. You don't have to say, well, what happened last episode? Right. <laughs> so people who are interested in one thing, you know, a writer or, um, you know, uh, you know, how do I submit? How do I keep going when I, you know, my inner editor is telling me I suck? You know, we've covered so many of those things mm-hmm. and you can go and find them and watch or listen to that episode 
you know, and then come back and listen to something else. So it's, you really, our content is, uh, a lot of it is evergreen. So, yeah, and hey, I, ladies I predi- and gents. <laughs> I particularly like also that in some of the interviews we've done, we've covered not only uh, several different arenas in the writing, uh, at, on the writing adventure, right. but also other creative disciplines. So yeah. once again, some of the similarities or commonalities between being a, a performer as opposed to being a writer have, you know, just cover artists, we, yep. we interviewed yep. Julie. Cover yeah. illustrators, yep, all of that. Yeah. So folks, just, just know that <clears throat> drop by as often as possible. There'll be something here for you. That's, that's all and, I got to say about that. And much like Alex Simmons, you too can climb on the time machine and listen to any episode <laughs> at any time. And it's anywhere you want. That's so right. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's, we make it easy. All right. Yeah. So today, so, today, yes, we are going yes, to talk sir. about two particularly, I feel, strong, powerful, well-crafted films that oh, yeah. talk very much about the human condition, the human, the simple human story in a chaotic or a challenging time. And yes. uh, those two films are Belfast and uh-huh. Coda, yes. right? Both of which are up for um, uh, Best Picture and the yep. Oscars, which is upcoming. Mm-hmm. So this will be a, a little more of a, a shortened shelf life, but not so much. If you think past the Oscars, you know, I always watch old best you know best film winners and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What we're saying today about these two you can pick up at any time uh, because good writing is good writing is good writing. And Absolutely. these two, you know, uh, uh, a good story told well, that's the key. And both of these are that. So, I, I'd uh, like to, I'd like to um, actually jumping on or, or taking a, uh, coming off the tail end of, of what you just said um, and jumping into Belfast, uh, this is sort of really uh, a special one to me because I've used it in my class, uh, my screenwriting class as well, because Kenneth Branagh, who some of you may know as an actor, uh, has directed some films before. But this film he wrote and directed and based it on his child life experience in Belfast in the 1960s. So he is looking back on a particularly difficult time in his life when he was a little person and the, the tumultuous world that, was, that he was immersed in at that time and the effect it had on his family. And being able to look back into your life for material or inspiration for storytelling mm-hmm. is something that we all do. And I think, you know, he really did this well. So that's one of the reasons we picked this particular film to talk about today. And I'm particularly interested in, in getting into that. So Chris, first off, what was your take on the movie? Well, uh, my wife, uh, Sicilian wonder that she is, is a huge uh, Irish file. She, she loves all things Ireland. Uh, um, so she was the first to notice this film. And then when I saw it was Kenneth Branagh, he always does a fine job. And then finding out that this was uh, based on some of his actual experiences during the Troubles. And for those of you who don't know, um, you can kind of think of it as a a civil war um, 
Ireland was fighting England or English supporting parts of Ireland um, uh, to get rid of oppression and um, be a free, uh, self-fulfilling state or self-fulfilling country. Um, and this is where, I mean, the, the, the movie begins with him, his first experience with the Troubles. Um, and he's like, what, 11 or, or something like that? I, I, you know what? I'm, he might be younger than that. Mm. He seems pretty young. So I'd say somewhere between 9 and 11, mm. you know, okay. something like that. Yeah. Um, and if I'm wrong, well, look and take me out in the back and that'll be it with me. Um, <laughs> I think the thing that hit me so much is that there is every temptation in the world to focus on the war aspects, the violent aspects, the soldier aspects. And what Brana does is keep the point of view of that innocent child. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is a family drama. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, with uh, young boys' uh, observation of what's happening, you can tell he doesn't always understand the politics that we're seeing before us. You know, when his father has words with someone who might be more militant, mm-hmm. you get the impression. It's a beautiful piece of writing in that he both maintains the innocence of the child uh, the child so we get this you know, you're looking through that prism war seems exactly what it is you know if you oh, were to look through the prisons <laughs> yeah. yeah but if you were to look at prison of the guy on the wall right the mm-hmm. guy who's militant you would see a patriotic interpretation you would see this must be done we have to save mm-hmm. our people it's a different film mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. What we learn and what we can learn from this is the importance of choosing what lens you're looking through, right? What yeah, and I think I think also um, I agree with you in terms of how he does keep to uh, the 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 child's point. Buddy, by the way, is the name of the the, the young boy character in this story. Uh, the how about that, Alex Simmons, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, buddy. That's why yes. they call him legend. Yeah, right. <laughs> And and I I do feel that, you know, from the storytelling standpoint, yes, we're seeing a lot of this through the eyes of this child. That's very clear. But I also like that choice because a good deal of the time you will see in documentaries or in news reports when they're interviewing people who've been the victims of violence, in particular, mm-hmm. you know, riots or war or things like that. They don't understand why right. this is happening, why this happened to me. Why did they come out of the night to do this? Why did they... They bombed this place. Well, you know, uh, if you look even at what's happening right now in the Ukraine, some of the footage there, people, you know, sir, they're they're trapped in the basement of some building, hiding for their lives, and they're holding their children. And they, they're, they're, it's just so overwhelming. Why? 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 It doesn't make sense. And I think telling this story through this young boy's eyes keeps it at a level where we as people the audience can go yeah wow you know what yeah mm, how would you make a decision what do you do in this circumstance why is this happening this is crazy 
And if you think about how the film began, which is not a, you know, I'm not giving anything away here. It starts with these beautiful color, you know, cinematic shots of Belfast, the city and the water and the, the architecture, the old architecture and the contemporary apartment buildings and the shipping yards where the Titanic was built and all this kind of stuff. It's beautiful and it's vibrant color. And then it focuses on that wall shot of workers from the 1960s, a painting of these workers, like a, a beautiful graffiti piece in blues and, and purples and things like that. And then as we go over that wall into that community in the 1960s, it goes to black and white and takes us on this journey of we're going back and we're going to immerse ourselves in the feeling of that time. And we strip a lot of that bright color and other distracting factors from the film to simplify what you're about to see and hear and experience. And again, through the boy's eyes in particular, why, why, why? So well, I really again, like that. I agree with you. And a, another lesson from, from this story in particular is that you always want to reach for having any aspect of the film do more or, or the story excuse me more do more than one thing so the child's point of view reminds us of the innocence and it does the everything you just spoke about and it also keeps the focus on the human beings his world his mom and dad grandma grandpa you know Mm -hmm. uh, a few other people uh i think he's got brothers and sisters or cousins he's got a brother but, yeah and yeah. then yeah that helps keep the focus on the humanity during war mm -hmm. and kenneth Branagh, god bless him did this movie because you know through covid and all that stuff this was the thing on him and he was talking about belfast he was looking backwards but sometimes you know, the, the story muses, the story gods have you tell a story at a certain time. And it is in, inescapable that Belfast also reminds us about the humanity that is being run out of their country in Ukraine, that is being slaughtered in Ukraine without ever saying that word, without ever looking anywhere near this century you know it's an amazing feat when you can tell a story that reverberates to another time and yeah, I, I, oh i'm sorry go ahead no and i think one of the keys there is you address the small issues the the small details small details become universal right and right? and that's just the word <clears throat> pardon me that's just the word i was going to use because there are certain themes that are universal, you know, good or bad. There's certain themes in the human condition that keep coming back that cross all borders and genders and, and life choices. And your audience can swell or, 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 or shrink according to the theme choice that you make. Right. But right. in this case, um, Yes, he's talking about another time and, and a very specific circumstance, but the human emotional 
contradictory aspects of that conflict, unfortunately, are not not new. They were oh. older than this era, and they're still with us. And unfortunately, we'll probably you know get to see them again and again. But how he told the story, as you said, keeps to the human factor and keeps us in what really matters, which is 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 life. And and how do you how do people who who love one another and who are trying to be understanding, how do they survive this sort of thing? What do they do to hold on during these tumultuous times? And and this is one of those films that answers to some degree that question. You know, it's it's a great teachable moment mm-hmm. that this movie is about. Look at the name; it's about Belfast. You know, more specifically, it's about that boy's family, Rana's mm-hmm. family, but that boy's family in that small house on that small block. We very rarely go beyond that block, but the themes there. So the details are specific. Mm-hmm. where the laundry is right right how they right. get in the house yeah right? what they're eating that's all specific yeah but that's all background the themes family love sacrifice survival greed war mm-hmm. anybody watching that movie anywhere can recognize those and and this is a, a, a phenomenal film to study how how to do that well, because they never say, you know, the theme is. <laughs> I, I will I will say this without, you know, without breaking my code of, of not giving away endings. There is yeah. one moment towards the end of the film where the father and son where buddy and his and his his, his pa are mm-hmm. talking on the street. He's just done. The boy's just done one very cute thing. And he asks his father, and I know you know what I'm talking about. He asks his father this question about this other character. And the father makes a statement to him. And that is the only moment in the film, in terms of my recollection and experience with it, with the story, where the father makes a definitive, concrete statement, uh, uh, an ethical, states an ethical code uh, or, or a belief that, encompasses what very much a lot of this story was about and and like i said i'm not going to say what it was but ultimately i remember hearing like okay all right you got it you waited until this moment right and it's a brief yeah you know it's a brief statement and uh said on a very human level too it's not like he's pontificating to the crowd or anything like that yeah but listen out there writers if you have a scene where there's pontificating in your work in progress, it's okay for now. You know, I always believe, let it suck, go, do the pontificating. But the idea is to go back and rewrite and say, how can I say that, you know, in less words, you know, choose words powerfully, get off the soapbox, mm-hmm. show, you know, actions, you know, show rather than tell and if you're like well how the hell do i do that get a copy you can go to the library and borrow a copy of belfast if you you know you don't have to buy it soon it'll be on you know half the cable stations you watch it but put it on and look all right 
What do they do to express mm-hmm. how they feel about war? Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll, you'll find that the expressions of family and the expressions of sacrifice and concern and the love of the husband and wife and grandma and grandpa, um, that is, love is political, you know, without, without having to make a speech. Mm. You know, the argument uh, or the tension between the father and the, one of the people on the wall you know, um, you start seeing who, who's got their priorities right and who's in a power grab or who is just taken away with this whole passion of the moment. And then you, the audience is allowed to make its own decisions. And that's the goal you want to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, know, you want to tell your story organically. And it may not be that organic in the first draft or the second draft or the third draft. That's the joy where you can go and say, all right, how can I tell this better? Right. How can I tell this better? And I'm telling you, once you embrace that, it becomes a really rewarding experience. And so, speaking of families, let us yes, segue. Sir. Let us segue. Segways are us. Right. Yes, here we go. <laughs> here I am segueing. I'm segueing like a Muppet. Um, we did B for um, Belfast. Now we're going to do yes. C for Coda. Yes, and we're doing yes. Our, our films in alphabetical order today. Yes, you know, because we're, we're cool like that. Uh, and, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Coda is a film about, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do its service, so I'm just going to simply right. say very, very simple description. It's a film about a young girl, um, high school age you know, young girl, whose family, mother, father, and older brother are deaf. She's the right. only member of this family that can hear. Right. And uh, she loves to sing. Yes. And they, uh, the business of the family is a fishing boat. Right. And, and, that, and she that, has a specific job in that business. Right. And, every, you know, every early, God, every morning, they're out on the water, pulling in the nets, you know, dealing with the fish, you know, the business of bringing it back to the, to the docks to be up, unloaded and taken to the marketplace there to try and make the best deal possible. So and she's not. She's what's not li- function? Well, well, you, you we'll get to that in a second. You can right. you can say that in a second. The thing is that you know this is this is her early morning life, and then off to school. Right. And growing up in this family, she's the only one who can who can hear, and also the only one who can speak English or or speak um, uh, words verbally, right? yeah. verbally, yeah. right? So she's the interpreter for the family to everyone else who is not hearing impaired or challenged. Right. So this has been her her function you know, very much a part of the nucleus, uh, the nuclear family. And now something comes up Mm -hmm. that puts all that on the line. And go ahead. You want to say what her particular function is? Well, she's the translator, right? So she's key to the business because the the rest of the fishermen are just, you know, no one bothered to learn sign language. Yep. Just her and the family. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So she's key to that, but she finds i mean she always could sing and, and loved to sing yeah and it was something just for herself but then she takes a music class and the teacher she joins the chorus go in, further in, in school yeah she tries out for the chorus yeah yeah and and that great one of the great supporting there's a it's a fantastic ensemble cast but yes. that teacher is, oh yes i've got his name here 
Eugenio D-E-R-B-E-Z, Derbez. Eugenio, Is that the actor's name? That's the, the actor's name. That's actor's the actor's name. name. Eugenio Derbez. Mr. Yes. V. Mr. V. Isn't and he, he, wasn't he wonderful? So fantastic. You know, it. he's he's that cynical teacher who challenges you to prove that you're not going to let him down. And he's not going to let you slide through anything. You know, good or bad student, you're not wasting his time. And he's very flamboyant and clear about what he wants. And, you know, he he gives nicknames to the kids instantly. You know, it's just, it is so, it is. is, and, And the thing here in storytelling, we met, we met the lifestyle in the beginning of the film. We're sort of introduced to the lifestyle of the family with a beautiful cinematic, another beautiful cinematic opening shot. This time, instead of uh, of a city, beautiful city in the seaport, it's the sea. And it's just a wonderful, wide, beautiful landscape shot without land of the sea, the ocean. Then we see a tiny, tiny little ship in the distance. And then we move in on that ship and we're still getting this cinematic shot. But now we're moving in on the ship and then we find out it's a big fishing boat. It's a family fishing boat. And we meet the family and very simply without any dramatic moments we are slowly introduced to the fact that because she's singing when we first hear we're slowly introduced to the fact over the next few moments that they don't that they're they're hearing impaired and that they can only communicate through sign language and it's it's just very simply done it's not boom here it is right um and then we so we spend some time with the family then we spend some time with the high i want to comment on that original scene before you move on Oh, okay. Thing, you, you keep okay. saying you keep saying slowly. I keep thinking organically. Okay. Know? okay. It's all through actions, and the secondary thing is their communication back and forth with each other, and they have no problem on that boat communicating, right? Because they speak the same language, right? So it's a it's a whole world that's functioning on its own. Absolutely, absolutely. All shown <laughs> rather than told. And right. And then once they're back on land, they have to deal with other people. Then that shifts. Right. <clears throat> Pardon me. And so there's a certain amount of time because I, I won't go into detail because I want people to watch the film. Yes. Uh, there's a certain amount of time that she has to deal in the marketplace where we get some of the energy of the marketplace and, and, and some of the the special circumstances that they have to deal mm-hmm. with. And then she's off to school because she's got right. she's got to go to school. Right. She bikes to school. And then we get some of that high school life. And of course, there's got to be some some yutzes in the world who, you know, got to pick on her to a certain degree because right. she's different, right? And and she, but she's got a a friend who's cool and and they're just having that little back and forth dialogue. So we got that energy. And then we meet the music teacher. Right. But <laughs> whose, I, whose energy again, I wanna... is totally different from right. everything else that we've met. And that that was the point I wanted to get to. Right. Is that when they bring him in you know, okay, we just went to a whole nother plot point here. We just went to another level, and right. somehow this is important. But go ahead. Right. What were you going to say? No, and, and what I would add to that, uh, again, there's the reason why I said how well they show rather than tell. They also <clears throat> introduced the two arcs. Well, three arcs. There's the family business right. arc. There's the family dynamic arc. Right. And there's her story. Right. And one of the things that is uh, it's a master class in escalating conflict organically 
Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're a whole unit all the way as the boat, even as the boat docks, they're still. And then when they go to sell, then you start seeing, wait a second, that whole world. The image you first saw of the little boat in the huge expanse of ocean is also a correct image for this little deaf family in this fishing industry that speaks. Mm-hmm. And that whole idea of isolation from the normal flow and having to work so much harder, it affects all three, you know? Even, got, she's worked it out, you know? We all have our challenges and we work them out and they become part of our organic family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And like you said, she goes from work pre-dawn to school. She rides the bike to school. And there's this one moment where one of the, you know, there's always jerk high school kids, like you said. She says, the, the jerk high school kid says, you smell fish? Mm. If you're walking by, we, yeah. We don't, you know, and again, you always, it's really wonderful when things work on more than one level. All right. It's the crappy asshole uh, high school kid. So everyone's got to deal with peer pressure in high school. High school is hell, right? It is also a reminder that she's different from the rest of them. None of the other ones had to get up before dawn to go to work. And none of them bring the stench. She doesn't even smell anymore. She's so surrounded with fish. In my freshman year of college, I worked in McDonald's and you you get that <laughs> French fry smell. But your nose was dead to it, right? So yep. I go back to the dawn and they were the dorm and they would be like, You better have brought, you smell like a French fry. You better have some brought. <laughs> right. And it it just brought all that to me. And all she wants to do is be a part of the family. And then in high school, be a part of the high school. And she takes, oh my God, that moment. Remember in high school back you know, with you in Washington? Um <laughs> Sorry. thank you thank you thank you yeah george um, and i used to hang yeah, I, I, I helped him whittle his teeth <laughs> when the two of you when the two of you were going to go into introduction to dentistry yeah right yeah, that, yeah 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 i just that decided idea, to go something different yeah mm. that idea of stepping out from that comfort zone and trying something that the secret is that you like it yeah. And that's going to be exposed. That is done so well, especially when we meet the uh, the teacher. Yeah. And he's auditioning everybody. Yep. And he has no time for hesitancy. Yep. But we're and- just starting to understand why it is such a big deal for her to sing in front of people. Yep. Because she's yep. never sung in front of hearing people before. Yep. Yep. Oh, so organically well done. Yeah, and and again, the dialogue between her and the teacher later in the film, when again, not to give away too much, too much, but when he acknowledges, "I see you," and right. I I see something there, right? That dialogue between them, and how she eventually expresses to him how singing makes her feel. Again, I'm not going to say specifically what goes on there, but that moment is also just it's just so organically as you put it mm-hmm. um it's so organically done it's so in character it's so absolutely helps continue the established world that we've been introduced to and, and, and that's again, a universal moment that we can use 
for one character to see another, mm-hmm. to acknowledge another, mean, makes all the difference in so many stories. Right and here, it's it's magic. It and, opens and all- up the what if for her. Yeah. Right, yeah. which is which is again another level of the conflict that she's going to have to deal with, yeah. and, and you know that's that's a big reality that's coming down the pike. And, and again, I like multiple the, levels, right? That's hope and challenge and heartbreak, all in that one revelation. Oh, that's right. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So again, in laying out the story, and I I didn't do my homework as to who wrote this particular piece, uh, but I can probably pull it up while you pontificate. But okay. I would just say, in terms of the writing. You know, I got I got to give credit to the writing, and I got to give credit to the directing and the acting, uh, because again, it feels very organic. And I know that one of the things that the um, the Oscars are, are are offering here as an acknowledgement is that the the actors who play the mother and father and brother, and I will say their names: uh, Marley Maitland, Troy Kotzer. And Daniel Durant are right. all deaf. They're all hearing challenged. Mm-hmm. And so Molly has already been nominated for uh, um, Children of God years yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I've watched her work off and on over the years. But what yeah. I find fascinating too is when I first became aware of her work, it was on a TV show, an episode of a TV show that I watched, yeah. and it was unique. Yeah. that this actress, this hearing impaired actress, this deaf actress was a real one was in the show. This is like, wow, this is really cool. Nobody's pretending to be. She really is. Yeah. But then over the years, so now here we are at this point where, again, the Academy, you know, they're up for the award because this is supposedly one of the few times, if not the first time in a, in a major feature film, that so many uh, uh, roles and an opportunity to, to show such a range in the storytelling experience have been offered to a large cast of people yeah. who are hearing challenge. So yeah. the storytelling is wonderful. The acting is wonderful. The directing is wonderful. And again, as with Belfast, this is very much a story about family. And, and I just want to say that, yes, in Belfast, there's, there's the violence, there's, there's some Molotov cocktails and some other things that happen in the film, but it's not a, a big war film. And, the majority of that story is really about the family dynamics and how do we deal with life and how do we deal with mm-hmm. loving each other and having to make hard choices. And in this film, it's the same message, yeah. life and love. And how do we deal with having to make hard choices? And yeah. I think that's masterful uh, that two films like this could be done. And in particular for our emerging writers, as well as on, you know, the, the pros have been at it for a long time. The, the understanding that we don't have to blow stuff up. We don't have right. to have major shootouts or have right. powers to blast rays from our hands in order to create a compelling story that takes a number of people on a uh, impactful and creative uh, ride through um, uh, the, uh, a life-changing uh, experience. I think that that's... Yeah. That's key that we understand good stories have drama and have climaxes and things that do not require special effects. Right. And speaking of climaxes, um, one of the great things in CODA is that they constantly surprise you with everyday reality in a family. 
mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it kind of challenges, well, what did you think was going on in a dead family? Case in point, mom and dad <laughs> are really turned on by each other, especially yep. dad. He keeps saying, she's so fine. And she, God bless Marley. She's beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And that's laid out as, oh, mom, dad moment, which every one of us had. But then there's they get to use the uniqueness of deaf life. You know, um, the daughter brings someone over to work on. They have to do a duet in class and they're going to work on it in class. I mean, you know, at her house. So this boy that she kind of likes and her, we're going to work on this song. And mom and dad are going at it in the other room, but they're deaf. So they don't know how loud they are. What a great universal moment of mortifying teenagehood, right? <laughs> it's wonderful. It's so wonderful. And you don't see the sex scene. It's all, you know, nothing gets tawdry, but it's so beautifully every day. And it's and let's let us give let us give a certain bit of a, a spotlight moment to set up. Because there's a scene that happens earlier in the film that sets up for that, you should pardon the choice of words, payoff. Yes. At this other section in the film. For the climax of that arc. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) You know, and and I won't say what that moment was. I'll just simply say that, yes, you can set up something earlier in your story, just so long as you deliver that payoff later. Right. in the story and you know that's that's and that's two it. emerging oh. writers or aspiring writers or people with a work in progress if you find that you don't have it earlier on you're allowed in rewrites to go back and seed your story mm-hmm. right to put the seeds in put the scene in that's going to allow that to be a payoff later on that's right and you know i don't know how this script was written but definitely either they had it and they knew they would pay it off or they had the the payoff and they went back and just put in those few couple of lines and it happens again and again you know it's great that the brother has a a a sibling tension with the sister mm-hmm. you know yeah. cuz he wants to be you know he wants to handle the family business and all that stuff and is frustrated that he's not recognized and i mean it's it does so much to remind us that uh, you know these are human beings just like us. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. And and that screenplay by Sion Heder or Heder, okay. H-E-D-E-R, who also directed the film. So we've got another one. We got yeah. another. Kenneth wrote and directed Belfast mm-hmm. and Sihan wrote and directed Coda. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's, and okay. I, I will just add, we're not going to, I know we didn't say, say we were going to cover this one, but it's also up for some awards. King Richard is similarly you know the selena and venus's the story of selena and venus's dad Mm -hmm. yep it's similarly using family dynamics and family love to tell a bigger story and you know that moment when the uh um the family uh was it family administrators come in and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff Yep. And uh, he said, well, come on in and here's what we have. We have future doctors and lawyers and we have some tennis pros here. And this was, well, you know, you have them out playing tennis pretty late when they're going to do their homework. Done. We're on point. 
you know, <laughs> and it allows again organically to to tell the, a story that's well told, you know, uh, that needs telling, and that's how you you know get a good story and tell it well with that seeding and with that putting in the organic stuff and going through rewrite and looking for where am I telling rather than showing? How can I show it? And it, these two films and King Richard are great examples of how it's done exceptionally well. Yep, absolutely. So uh, go watch both films. First opportunity, please, please, yep. please. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, certainly, you know, as you can tell, Chris and I are fans of, of the two films. And you may or may well, not. Well, we see. love stories. And but, these are, but, these are yeah, really well but, done. Yeah. But again, again, that's, that's the point. How well these stories are done. Like I had, and I'll just say this very quickly. I had one of my students uh, who went to see Cyrano. And, you know, you and I had talked about, we were looking forward sure. to this new yes. uh, interpretation of Cyrano. I enjoyed it. Uh, my, my offsprings enjoyed it. Some of their friends enjoyed it. This particular student, uh, as I was talking to him the other day, I said, oh, you saw Cyrano? He goes, yeah. I went, oh, okay. He said, yeah, and I had to apologize to my girl for taking her. I said, okay, so you didn't like it. Got it, not a problem. He said, yeah, well, it was this and this. I said, okay. He said, what did you think of this moment, that moment, that moment? He said, oh, yeah, that was great. And when so-and-so did this and the acting was such as I said, okay, cool. Then you got out of it what you needed to. (laughs) That's that's it. You don't have to love the film. There was a couple of moments in the film that I'm going, oh, okay. But overall, I enjoyed the film. So in 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 both cases with Belfast and Coda, there are lessons to be learned. I, I hopefully you will enjoy the film at, uh, both films as films because I think right. they're really well done. But there are lessons to be learned about how to tell a good story, and that's really the bottom line here. That is the bottom line. Yes. Yeah, so go out there now and tell your damn story because we just did. <laughs> yep. And these can help show you how to do your story even better. Absolutely. Okay, Chris. Right, as so- always. It is uh, always a pleasure to be in your presence, sir. And uh, I hope <laughs> people tell us same. in the comments what they think about this whole stuff. But Yeah, I would love to yeah. hear it. Really, we would love to hear it. So please leave it in the comments below, to the side, above. I don't care where you just leave some. Yeah. Okay, take sure. care, everybody. Bye-bye. Peace. to get everyone available for roles on equal playing ground, uh, an equal playing field, which is, it's, it's, it's just not a reality, right? And in this film, they, it, it worked. And you know what? To, to the extent, uh, some people didn't love the Eternals, but the Eternals worked organically as an extremely diverse film. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, and this is the black hero, and this is the Hispanic hero or Latina hero. This one is Asian. It was just here they come, and it's there's a there's a, a um a, a, an extra thrill to see it, you know, as a response. All right, well, we'll you know, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and way back. The civil rights movement. Well, what do they want? They want equal rights. But what would that look like? (laughs) In part, it looks like the Batman.
you know, <laughs> right? Maybe and, and, it could and, be and more. That Maybe is the point. But, but that is the point is that you got to experience this story with different seasonings because we've seen this story before. Yeah, but, but the seasoning get... didn't stop the right. story. Exactly. That's beautiful. Exactly. You know, and that that's all I'm saying in, in this particular scenario. I enjoyed the film and so many of the little nuances and everything right. in, in it, it, it blended well for me. And, and uh, you know, there were, there were certain moments where I would go, Hmm. Okay. You know, cause yeah, you know, I, I, I know that you're, you're uh, more enthusiastic about um, uh, your appreciation of it than I appear to be. Uh, but I enjoyed the film. And I, I remember thinking that there was all of these little moments that, yeah, uh, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon was doing this, this, and this, as opposed to the previous Gordon, which is fun because of this. Not, you know, so I was, I was just really enjoying the different flavors, and that was and, that was just fun for me. And I would suggest that that is the end product of serving the story. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we can do with this film, if we don't sit down and say, "Okay, I have a quiz for this film." And if it doesn't match my expectations, it is wrong. If you go and organically say, I'm here for a story, tell me a story. What we see is it's well-written and well-developed and well-directed and beautifully shot. And the music works for it. And each of the performers are giving their all. They did the work to find their characters and they are putting that character, you know, bringing that character to life. There is nothing more you can ask from a story. Right. And if you don't like the movie, you don't like the movie, period. Yep. In, in, in like, the there's now, a lot of movies out there, bro. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about the third act. You were talking about the third okay, act. Okay, yeah, but for a minute, can we um, can we just talk about, we talked about Stephen Wright, but can we just quickly Jeffrey. talk about, that's what I said, Jeffrey Wright. I'm not sure what you heard. Um <laughs> It must have been a tech thing. Yeah, um, that's what it Jeff, was. We've right. talked about Jeffrey Wright. Can we talk about Zoe Kravitz? Can we talk about uh, Pattinson? And can we talk about Paul Dana? We can talk about all of them quickly. <laughs> quickly. Yeah. Z- Zoe Kravitz is tiny. She's tiny. But she completely sold me that she was able to do everything she did in that film. Mm. And that's belief, that's confidence. You know, we've talked a lot about creatives from a writer point of view, but you can also go into this film as an acting school student and watch what they bring and the choices they make. She, I mean, uh, 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 she wound up embodying the Catwoman without embodying any of the cliches. And what and without abandoning them, she was just organic. It was fascinating. Mm. Uh, Pattinson, you know, the, Matt Reeves had a very dynamic uh, uh, approach to this, and Pattinson, he was brave enough to to again defy all those old expectations and bring the most damaged Batman we've seen. You know, and then third act show the growth in a very organic way. Paul Dano, so much was asked of this character. Hey, can you do this role? And we won't really see your face except for two scenes. 
maybe three, you know, can you scare the hell out of an entire city for us? And then when you're revealed, you know, in that scene, where that great scene between just the two of them, where the thing goes up and you see this normal guy, you know, we saw him in the um, in the diner. We saw him in the diner, and then we saw him here. And then he, with great joy, demonstrates exactly how off he is. You know, I'm we're we're a team. And then we get this is the beginning of Act Three when he realizes that you know the Batman realizes it's not over. Mm-hmm. And I think all of them commendable uh teachable performances to to watch what they do and why they do and how much they don't do this is a very for as much of a batman movie as it is this is a very quiet movie you know when things aren't blowing up it's very quiet and moody and very much like detective comics Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. uh but it brings us to act three so what do you say oh no you're 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 having a grand time go for it well um, I was not ready for, and it was, it was really the second time I watched the film where I realized how current this film was the first time through, there was so much going on that I was, I didn't have the luxury of relating it to the outside world, mm-hmm. but, um, I forget uh I forget the app that he uses, but it's a real world app. Um and if you read the thread alongside the Riddler's last video, it reads like the militias that were planning January sixth. And it never gets more overt than that. It's just if you bother to read that thread, you start seeing it. Yeah, we're and ready then, and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only other thing is when these regular citizens show up armed to the teeth and dressed like their leader, that you realize, yeah, this is another version of of that incredibly worrisome misleading of a portion of in our country yeah but it's other countries too mm-hmm. you know and now it's going on in, in russia with the uh, false descriptions of what's happening in the ukraine you know putin himself is saying oh I'm, we're ridding ukraine of nazis that's that's not what's happening um and here's this movie that very organically is telling the third act of a Batman tale. But just those things are there if you want to pick them up. You know, a lesser um, artistic team would have stopped the story to, to, you know, drive that point home. It doesn't need to be driven home like that, you know. Um, I thought it was fascinating. I thought... To put Batman way over his head and to make him have to go against these people and figure out a way to stop them, but still show where they are, you know, um, 
you know, they had the things on them, so they wound up swinging helplessly. But then having to go into self-sacrifice so that the people down in the water would not get electrocuted Mm -hmm. and find himself on the ground level in the water. You know, some people say that's a baptism rebirth moment. And if you want to take it that way, that's fine. But for me, the lighting of the flare and the leading of the people and this is the third time Batman slash Bruce Wayne meets the orphan child of the mayor or, or whoever was killed with the mask in the beginning, mm-hmm. the masking, right? And that kid chooses to trust him enough to take him by the hand, you know, and let Batman lead them out and lead them through the water, you know, lead them through the darkness. And, and he realizes he has to be more than fear. He has to be more than vengeance. He has to be hope. And then we see him as a first responder, you know? <laughs> and the girl, the one woman who's getting in that little uh, thing to be helicoptered to the hospital, she won't let go of him. And he gives that little nod to her. And, you know, you're going to be okay. Doesn't, doesn't say mm-hmm. anything. But it, again, there's, there's, when you really serve the story well, your storytelling can approach poetic levels, spiritual levels. And I think he, I think that team achieved that. I would say that one of the questions that's come up over the, the, the last, let's say the last three decades for me, uh, and I always, I'm always asking about what is a hero, you know, the past, present, and who knows what the future will hold. But one of the questions that's come up for me with, with Batman as I've looked at these various uh, uh, representations is, is, is Batman a hero? Is Batman a detective? Is Batman a soldier in this never-ending war or battle against harm and evil and destruction? Uh, because depending on how he is handled by a lot of the creative teams that you know have worked on him, you get these various representations. And you know he started out basically wearing cloth, cloth mm-hmm. costume, you know, billowing cape and all that. And over the decades, over the seven to eight decades, uh, his his costume has practically become armor. Yeah. You know, for all intents and purposes. So he's he is a dark knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. And mm-hmm. you know, those scenes in the film where he's taking, you know, multiple bullet shots to his body because he's he's wearing, you know, whatever is Kevlar or whatever. Uh, the impact bruises alone. <laughs> this this oh, man yeah. must soak in liniment. Uh, yeah. and and again, Patterson did not bulk up so that when his shirt is off, he looks like, yeah, you know, I got all that it takes it, you know. Uh, but you know what 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 is the batman these days and and what does that mean and i think this movie paints him as as a knight yes again but paints him as a heroic character who could be seen as a soldier in a war oh yeah yeah uh matt reeves brings the man into batman you know there's there's a lot of grounding in here um 
I went into this film thinking it was a one and done. And then shortly after it uh, debuted, uh, Reeves uh, admitted that he was considering, you know, where the um, a sequel People might go. go, right? Um, I don't know if that's just marketing to say it that way and if it had planned all the way. But in reflection on this, if this is, you know, like the three Spider-Man movies with uh, Tom Holland mm-hmm. are collectively the origin of Spider-Man, where he really becomes what he was meant to be, you know, that he becomes bigger and become and understands what his responsibilities are and all that stuff, you know, Um from that lens, you can see this as an origin story, not for the Batman, but for the, like I said earlier, the Bruce Wayne, you know? Um, and there's been a lot of speculation on where it can go. There's that last scene where uh, the Riddler... He's talking to the is, Joker. Ooh, we just, ooh, spoiler. Well, I yeah. just did that. I don't believe I just did that, but okay. I did it. <laughs> I'll, I'll well, cut it I, out. But... But the Riddler is given hope from whoever that character is. Yeah. Um, wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. Uh, it's been mentioned 4,000 times on, the, on social media as to who it actually is. And Matt Reeves has confirmed it. So I don't think you in particular are spoiling it. Since oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Matt has already said, yes, that's who that comeback is. Story. Yeah, all right. And he actually, you know, it, it was... Um, one of the the guy who plays Druid in the inter- the Eternals, and his brother drunkenly spoiled it before the movie came out. So he posted it. Guess who my bras doing? All right then. Um, so there's a question there as to okay, where would this story have to go? You know, or where could it go? You know, and the, and people are saying, well, you know, Riddler, Batman, a Riddler, Joker did. Uh, no Man's Land, it was a bit of a competition and there was um, another one where the two of them were in competition. Yeah, you could do that. Sure, you could do that. That's possible. Um, uh, Matt Reeves, it says he's very, very interested in uh, Mr. Freeze, especially the incarnation presented in the animated series, which was a mm. heartbreaking story. Um, I gotta tell you, in, in in such a delicious way, I have no idea where it would go. And that's really where I want to be as a writer. When you're writing, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the idea is to tell the story in front of you and tell it as best you can. Some, you know, with series or something, maybe you uh, uh, drop seeds. You know, Marvel's very good at that and always has been. Um, But this story left me very satisfied. Um, I was... I was really impressed with how well they told a Batman story, you know. Um, if there's another part, I'm ready. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I don't understand that part of fandom that says, well, here's what it has to be. I, I'll say the same thing, but here's how I end it. You know what it has to be? It has to be a good story where they make it best effort they can like they did this time and that and is would, the goal of very creative with, yeah i would agree with you on that and and i would say also that 
Um, I do understand certain fandom speaking that way because in, a, in effect, they want their next fix. And that's fine. Uh, it, it is about fandom as opposed right. to, oh, I read a good book and I enjoyed right. it. Or I saw a good film and I enjoyed it. It's about, right. oh, ooh, I, I need my next fix of that thing that I love so madly. And I, I well, that, get that. I get that. That's the difference between a lot of those other shows and this show. We yeah. focus on the creativity. Yeah. And I, I get all of that. And again, that's that body of audience, you know, and, and they will always be who they will always be. Uh, and then there'll be others who'll see it differently. And either way, I feel that uh, both you and I agree that it was a great movie. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. I am curious to see what comes next. Uh, mm -hmm. We've interviewed Michael Uslan, the executive yes. producer, who's been involved in every Batman movie and every Batman animated series project since the 80s. So um, it was cool to see his credit come up. Yeah, in the movie, it yep. came up fairly early in it. And I was like, mm, 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 mm. Yeah, yeah, we talked to him, <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, it's I know that Michael has said to us, and I've heard him, uh, you know, speak in other um venues, and he has always said it's been about you know telling a good story, and he loves this character. And I think that you know, as long as he's involved, he's going to give people like, like with Joker, the movie Joker, he's going to give people a chance. To, to utilize characters that we love to tell a good story, whether you know we are enamored with that particular iteration or not, is something else. Mm -hmm. But I think it's always going to be his goal to deliver, you know, working with the people he works yeah. with at any given moment to deliver a good story, and then we'll yeah. see where it goes from that. So, well, whatever I, the Joker, you know, should be interesting. Very quickly, the Joker movie was not my favorite movie, but. I think it was because it was more disturbing than I was prepared to handle. It is the it is the Batman movie. There was no Batman in that movie, but you know, um, Batman related or Batman adjacent movie that stayed with me the longest mm. because I'm not sure if it was made with current times in mind, um, but it really did comment on its on society mm. in a way that was unvarnished and as disturbing as it was the unfortunate thing is that it was borne out you know mm. i mean this was before wisconsin yeah, before january 6th before you know, so many dark things that have happened recently. So it becomes um, almost prophetic uh, by accident. You know, yeah. um, it was a weird experience when that happened with the Simple Rebellion, one of my novels, um, where all the weird, crazy stuff that I wrote in there because it could never happen, happened and worse, you know. Um, it's just... We'll, we'll that's talk, not the goal ladies we'll and gentlemen i'm not that. saying that we'll, well i'm we'll definitely talk about that yes we will but i have, I have I'm, I'm trying to bring it back to the batman you know yeah. <laughs> you're not trying I, I i don't think creatives should ever try to capture the zeitgeist because the zeitgeist moves so quickly and your material will be dated but here are no numerous examples of where serving the story 
and being dedicated to bringing out the best in the characters that you can and in the film uh, uh, world, casting it well and getting the, the cinematographer who can bring that visual to life and the music that bring that to life. It has an opportunity to make such a strong comment that that comment reverberates and you can see connections in the real world. You know, it's, it's a side effect. It should never be, um, you know, don't go into storytelling trying to predict the future or trying to reflect today's headlines because they're going to be a year ago's headlines before the public sees. But serve your story and tell, you know, lay your heart into that story and you might wind up with something as memorable and as worthwhile and as worth telling and talking about as much as we have, like the Batman. There you go. Okay. Chris, Tell your well, damn story. Yeah. Chris, as always. <laughs> yay. As always, brother. Okay. Peace. You take care, everybody. And and we'll please drop soon. your comments, reactions, and so forth in the comments section yeah. below to the What side did you think? Of whatever. Okay. Take care, everybody. Peace.